Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Friday, April 29th, 2022. Today we come to one of the most familiar stories in the entire Bible, David and Goliath. And as we do so, we come to a story that I think is often misunderstood and misapplied. So many people in our culture know the story of David and Goliath, but very few people actually know what it means and what the significance of it is. I mean, you think about just the secular culture. I mean, David and Goliath is often a sports reference for some upset when some team that everybody thought would lose surprisingly wins the game. And then even within Christian circles, you hear lots of sermons that might use this passage, but the gist of it seems to be, hey, you can do it. You can slay the giants in your own life. Is that the point of the story of David and Goliath? Well, let me tell you, the story of David and Goliath is not about some sports upset. It's not about what you can do, uh, you know, if you just believe enough. No, it's really the story of someone that stood up for the honor and the glory of God. Somebody that, that was passionate about the glory of God, who then did something amazing with the help of that God. As we look at 1 Samuel 17, again, you're familiar already with the basics of the story. There is this giant named Goliath who's a Philistine, and he is challenging uh, the armies of Israel, and he is saying, hey, let, let's have a fight. Your champion against me. And if I win, you're our slaves. If you win, we'll be your slaves, right? Let, let's have a showdown right here. And everyone is afraid. In verse 11, it says, when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Another thing that doesn't get brought up enough in this story is Saul's failure. Saul was meant to be the champion. Do you remember why they wanted a king? They wanted a king to go out and fight their battles. And now the battle is there to be fought and Saul and all Israel with him, they're afraid and they're dismayed. And then David comes to bring some snacks to his brothers, right, who are there fighting, and he sees what's going on, but now start to look at what David actually says. And verse 26, and David said to the men who stood by him, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Right there, you start to see where David's concern is. It's not just, ooh, this is, this is my moment to prove myself. No, it's, hey, this guy is dishonoring God. This guy is defying the armies of the living God. This uncircumcised Philistine thinks he can come in here and defy God. Who's going to tell him otherwise? Who's going to defend the honor of God? Who's going to stand up for the Lord against this blasphemy? Right? That's more of the idea. 
And then again, you know, David, he gets the five smooth stones from the brook. And if you go to Israel today, sometimes you'll even notice dump trucks uh, putting more smooth stones into this brook since throughout the years, so many tourists have, well, gathered five smooth stones for themselves from this brook there. But then we see uh, the interaction between Goliath and David. I mean, Goliath is talking trash. Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And he says to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Now let's look at what David says. Verse 45, then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves, not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. Right there, you can see what is animating David in this, right? He wants everyone to know that there is a God in Israel. And that's the problem. Goliath has come in here and defied God, and God is not going to let him get away with that. And so that's what gives David the faith and the strength to stand up and do what he does uh, because he's doing it for the honor and the glory of God. So this story is certainly not about, you know, some March Madness upset in college basketball. And it's not about, well, hey, you go out and you slay all all the dragons and all the giants in your business or in your career this week. It's a story of a, a young man who loved the Lord and wanted to honor the Lord. And it bothered him when he saw God dishonored and people that should have been standing up for the honor of God failing to do so. And he knew that God would act. He trusted that God would provide. And so hopefully you see a little bit as you read that story. And that should just give us reason to pray and check our own heart. God, do I care about your glory? Is your glory what is really driving me forward in life? Um, and that should be the, the driving passion of our life. And, and it is a shame when you see this passage in Christian circles twisted to become all about us and our dreams and our wants, when the point of it is our dreams and our wants should all be about the glory of God. Uh, that should be uh, a point in our own hearts as we read this passage. And I hope that it, that it pushes us that direction as we think of the glory of God. Uh, Chapter 18 tells us more about the friendship between David and Jonathan and starts to get into the problems now that uh, are going to fill much of the rest of this book of Saul being jealous of David, Saul trying to kill David. We see the beginnings of that in this passage. Um, But also we see that David, he was somebody that had confidence from God, because even in his own personal dealings, and that's where, does this mean we shouldn't trust God when it comes to our careers or our business or things like that? No, we we should. Let's not make this all about that, and let's not make our lives all about that. But David had trusted God in the small things in life, and that helped him when the big things, the Goliath, came 
uh, upon him. Back in chapter 17, verse 37, uh, David says, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go and the Lord be with you, right? Even he looks back to when he has um, dealt with the lion or the bear just tending the sheep of his father. He looks back and knows it's God that has delivered me. So while we shouldn't take this text and make it all about us, what we should do is make ourselves all about God. And even the challenges that you are facing this week in your home or your career or whatever else, you need to seek God's help in those. And you need to see when you do find success in that, the glory needs to go to God. And we see David knew that he could take refuge in God. And that's where we're going to start getting more into the Psalms now as we get into David. And today, along with this, we're reading Psalm 11, a Psalm of David. And he says, in the Lord, I take refuge. How can you say to my soul, flee like a bird to your mountain? For behold, the wicked bend the bow. They have fitted their arrow to the string to shoot in the dark at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? And there you see the the heart that David had in fighting Goliath is a heart that he writes about here. He trusts God. He's not afraid of anything. And he knows that God will defend the upright. Uh, And then he really speaks of the holiness of God, but also how God tests us and and how uh, that should be something that we seek. The last verse for the Lord loves, for the Lord is righteous. He loves righteous deeds. The upright shall behold his face. We should seek to be those who are upright, who are doing righteous deeds. And I love just the simplicity of that phrase. God loves righteous deeds. Now we know that our Our own efforts at righteousness are ultimately going to fail. We know that we cannot work our way toward salvation. We know we need Jesus Christ. The whole of scripture points us to Jesus Christ and repentance and faith and seeing the transformation that he can bring. But even as we seek to live the Christian life as people who are now trusting in Christ, filled with the spirit, let's not forget the simplicity of that phrase. He loves righteous deeds. May God make us the kind of people that care about his glory and also the people that truly seek him, seek righteousness. Uh, And even past the test, it says the Lord tests the righteous. As we face the pressures of life, we care not just about success or, or getting through the trials of life. We desire to be righteous in the midst of these things because we love the Lord, our God. And even thinking of that test and pursuing righteousness, uh, that gets us to kind of wrapping up uh, this Olivet Discourse that we've been looking at in Matthew 24. Today we'll be in verses 42 through 51, Mark 13, 33 through 37, and Luke 21, uh, 34 through 36. And today we'll get into some parables that are on this similar theme, but today Jesus really ends with some practical application. Let's just look at what he says. Says uh, in the Gospel of Luke, as he says in these verses, but watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. 
for it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the earth. But you stay awake at all times, praying that you might have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. That's where when we are in a section on eschatology, lots of times that makes us think about uh, things that Christians like to debate about of, you know, what's the order of events when it comes to eschatology? And certainly I think there's a place for those conversations because uh, there is a view that is right. Christians might debate about what, what that is. And I don't think the Bible is totally silent. I think the Bible should lead us to certain conclusions, but let us make sure we don't miss the practical, clear application that Jesus is giving. Hey, uh, the end is coming, so watch yourselves. Stay awake. You get a sense that that part of that is moral purity, that we're not getting dragged into the sin of this world. Some of that even is just perspective, that we're not getting sucked into just the cares of this life, dominating our thoughts. We're focused on the kingdom. We're focused on eternity. And also the practical application of these things should get us to uh, even lead towards strength, endurance, under suffering and persecution, right? Strength, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things or in some of the other gospels, we've already seen the warnings about persecution that, hey, when I see and I know that the king is coming, that strengthens me to endure persecution or suffering right now. And uh, part of this as well should get us focused on the mission that our king has given us, right? We saw earlier in these accounts, uh, one of the things that's gonna happen before uh, Christ comes back is the gospel is gonna be proclaimed to all the nations. So we still got work to do with that. So until Jesus comes back, may we be faithful and morally vigilant. May we keep our eyes on eternity. May we endure whatever suffering or persecution we may experience. And may we stay faithful to the mission our King has given us. And then when he comes, may we, may we be those faithful servants that we'll even see more about in some of the parables in the coming days. We serve a great God. May we be people like David who are passionate for his glory and seekers of his righteousness. I hope that our time in God's word helps shape our hearts into those kind of people. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today from on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.